podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. And, and I know it's your opinion, but your opinion's wrong. I know where the poops go. Thank you, Evan. As always, this is the Bear Den Podcast, and I am Matt Workman. And joining me is Joe Goodman. Joe, how are you doing today? Hi, I'm doing swell. We're it's a it's a Thursday afternoon. This is a this is a strange recording time for us, but yes. I have I have people staying with me, and the Astros are going on, and so like, and I think you were just like off today, right? Yeah, I've been off since about noon yesterday. Mm. Are you just off until the weekend? I'm off like until next week. Ah, I like it. So I'm yeah, jealous. I'm not. I'm not. I don't have a day off again until Thanksgiving. Well, my schedule is weird. So like, I basically I'll work like a seven day on, a seven day off rotation. Oh, that's right. Yeah, because you couldn't make it to the Oklahoma yeah. State game because you were working. So yeah, so like I'll go. Off, I went off of work around eleven yesterday, and I'll be off until Wednesday. So okay. But there have been some happenings. Um, now, before we jump into football, there we're kind of in that bridging into, right, I guess, preseason basketball. So there is some basketball news coming out of the Big 12. Baylor did you specifically. know, Matt, did you know that today is, is a sports equinox day? So, so we, we have. Today, so right now we're recording. It's 3 p.m. Thursday afternoon uh, on October 20th. Tonight we have. Major League Baseball. So we've got the Astros and the Yankees playing in the ALCS tonight. We've got Thursday night football in the NFL. We've got Thursday night football in college football. We have the NBA playing tonight. We have the NHL playing tonight. And we have the MLS playing tonight. Every single, with the exception of college basketball, pretty much, every single major American sports league is all playing today. That is such a... I love that so much more than that day in the summer. Like there's no sports. Right. Yeah. Like, like the, after the, the all-star break when there's no baseball, mm-hmm. football's off season, basketball's off season, after the finals and all that. And so it's just like this day where like, no, there's no sports today. Could you imagine being at a sports book in Vegas right now? Oh no. Yeah. It'd be just wild. There's so much gambling going on today. Yeah. Every so many games. Gamble on everything today. Not us. We live in Texas, but. And we're uh, for whatever we're, reason everybody we're around doing us good Baptist school and we we frown upon that. Yeah, yeah. No drinking, no gambling. As we give our uh, picks against the spread later on. But yes, as you mentioned, there there was some basketball news since the last time we spoke. Yes. Yeah, so, a couple things: the Big Twelve released their preseason All Big Twelve team, and Baylor had three players that got awards. Uh, Keontae George was named the preseason Big Twelve Freshman of the Year. Um, Adam Flagler was the lone Baylor player that was on the first team, first or second team, really all big 12 team. He was a first team selection. And then, um, LJ choir was an all big 12 honorable mention. Yeah. They didn't do a second team this year. It was yes. just an all big 12 team. And then a handful honorable of mention. honorable mention. Yes. So I was, I was a little bit shocked that, it was that they uh, obviously they didn't have a second team because I figured you'd have more players. I would think 
like LJ Carter to me should have been a second team at least um, selection. Yeah, when you only have five to choose from in the strongest and deepest uh, conference in the league, that makes it tough when you've only got like five that can't be honorable mention because, again, it's just a first team. So I was very surprised they didn't do a second team. Um, And especially considering other parts of that news was Baylor was selected uh, as the number one, as the favorite in the Big 12 this year. They were number one in the preseason coaches vote um for the big 12 so you only got one player and that's both kind of you're sitting there like well how are we number one but we only got one guy but then also just shows you the depth of how good the entire team is is that we don't we don't have to just rely on adam flagler yeah so baylor was picked like you said uh number one in the preseason poll they received uh, 77 of 81 possible points, and they had five first-place votes. Kansas was right behind them with 73 points and four first-place votes, followed by Texas with the remaining first-place vote. Um, And then it rounded out with, like, TCU, Oklahoma State, Texas Tech, Oklahoma, Iowa State, and West Virginia, and Kansas State rounded out the top of the 10 teams. If you had to pick a team that that will either finish – three spots above or three spots below where they're picked like who what's the one team that you think will either like uh, be the way over performer or the way under performer who's who's going to surprise the coaches that they were way wrong um in either direction my first inclination is kansas state just with um drum tang taking over and my affinity for him so that would be the one as far as who's going to overachieve um as far as underachieve I mean Texas probably and they got they're loaded I mean they got a good team I would say Texas or TCU okay yeah TCU it's the one where they have the the preseason player of the year in what Mike Miles I think is his name yeah um and so he's kind of the guy that's going to carry them Jamie Dixon is really finally seemed to have gotten over the hump there and established a, a basketball culture where one did not exist whatsoever. Yeah. But they were, they were, remind me, they were picked to what finished fourth, fourth. Yes. Yeah. I would have to, I would have to agree. I don't, this isn't going to say that this isn't me saying that I think TCU is going to be bad, but it's, I think it's going to be so easy to finish seventh in this conference. Yeah. It's it, th- there's going to be, a lot of upsets and there's going to be a lot of teams that do better and do worse. And well, yeah, I don't think we're going to see like a huge discrepancy between probably like Four third and place se- and yeah, seventh like, place. Yeah. Like I was about to say like what, you know, only a few games could separate fourth from seventh. Right. So, so yeah, I'd have to agree with you there. I think TCU, the other one I could see is like tech overperforming. Um, yeah. They also surprised me that for fifth. Yeah. Yeah, it surprised me that Iowa State was low. They mm-hmm. don't, they still like losing Tyrese Hunter to Texas. That's a big deal. Um, and I don't know where their scoring is going to come from. They also already lost a guy for the season that was a transfer in that they were expecting to get a lot of minutes out of. Um, so Iowa State being down there, but Iowa State and Tech are both teams that also even, West Virginia. I, I mean, they're usually pretty solid. I know they lost players you know including one of yeah, them I, I don't know man i think the game might be passing huggins by you think so? for, for tech and iowa state I, I think both of those teams are going to struggle to score but 
they're also going to hold multiple teams to like 40 points this year. So um, yeah, with, with Kansas state, like they, I mean, drum tang has been with Scott drew like through it all. So he knows how to do what yeah, but he's a, like, you know, I, th- I think, t- I think Tang's going to be a great coach and I, I don't know if they finish in the bottom, but I, again, I think it may take a year or two before Jerome Tang really gets the ball, the ball rolling. There. Sure. They could finish, you know, like you said, seventh instead of not yeah. tenth. Exactly. Um, final piece of news was that the first AP poll came out and Baylor was fifth. Um, Tied for fifth. T- see, this is my problem with this poll. Um, the tied for fifth thing. Just, just Baylor could have been six. I would have been. That would have been fine. You know, flip a coin. Yeah, but I mean, it's want- based off of points, and we got the same amount of points. Flip a coin then. <laughs> it's a I don't have any issue with the tie because the if ranking it doesn't matter. Been, if it was, I know, but I was, that's what my that's my whole point. It doesn't matter. This is not like it's a end of the year hole or anything like that, to where it's points and all that, and where they think this these two teams are equal or however they rank them. It was it's a preseason poll. Just I mean, okay, they got the same amount of points. Flip a coin, whoever wins, they're fifth. Yeah, but we both get to say we're five, and there there isn't a six, and now. And it, it the, here, here's what will make you feel better. It won't be, we won't be tied with each other after the first week of the season. We only have to deal with it for one week because people are going to change their votes in the first week of the season. Well, no, we got to deal with it for a month because the first week of the season is not to like the, yeah, but are, you're not going to be going back and looking at the rankings. <laughs> I will now. <laughs> Matt, where uh, was West Virginia ranked in the, uh, the basketball rankings? Like nine. In the AP poll, where was West Virginia oh, ranked? Oh, I don't know. I don't think they were ranked. Oh, okay. They also are not ranked at football. And um, yeah. yet... Neither is Baylor. <laughs> neither is Baylor in football. And yet, similar to a game earlier this year, done in by the special teams kicking game. I think that's a, that's, this is a fun segue. Let's just let's take our medicine yeah. real quick. Uh, your Baylor Bears fell. In Morgantown, uh, did not take out the victory as many of us expected. Um, no. Lost to the Mountaineers mainly because of a, uh, a blocked extra point that was returned for a touchdown. Man, if we got that back, if one uh, of the things that went wrong didn't like anyone didn't go wrong. Baylor wins the game. If you, you hear a fun stat that I've fumble. been repeating over and over again, to yes, people, I do. if if we had just made every extra point this season, like if you go to all of our games and you say. We're gonna make every single extra point. We would be five and one. Yeah, because you make all your extra points against BYU. That game doesn't go to overtime. You win. You make all your extra points against West Virginia. You win that football game. Like, uh, yeah. Just like throw what everybody's complaining about the defense out. Throw fumbles out. Throw whatever you thought about the play calling at BYU. Throw throw all the other things that you're complaining out about out of the window. Um, whether it's the secondary or the linebackers or whatever, if we just had made all of our extra points, it'd be a five and one team. Yeah. And that makes me feel both good and awful at the same time. Well, this is bound to happen because Baylor has been living on this edge where we win these close games and like to like taking out 2020, 2019 and 2021, they were both on, on games like this. Baylor wins. We'll get a break in one way or another, whether it's a turnover or 
something will go our way. And that's kind of we've been we've been having we have a great record in like one score games. Close. Yeah, games. this is our payback for the uh for the Iowa State home game a couple of years ago that we had that <laughs> or the <laughs> Texas no Tech game in 2019. Yeah. Man. Uh yeah, it's the kind of law of averages stuff, right? Some of the the wacky I mean, yeah. stuff doesn't bounce your way. Baylor's I saw another one of these these years like you know, kind of like every year Iowa State has the close games. It's like Baylor's bound to have one of those. Yeah. I, I, I think it was Colt Barber had a stat. It was something like, I want to say Baylor is like second in the conference at forcing fumbles, but we've recovered the fewest. And yeah. or we, I don't think we have recovered one. I don't, I don't think we've recovered a fumble this year, but we're forcing them like crazy. And then we have only fumbled twice, lost them which all. is the least amount in the conference. But we've lost both of the fumbles. Yeah. See that 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 goes to like that like football luck portion. Yeah, it's law of really quantify, man. and we're just not getting lucky in in that aspect. Mm-hmm. And this so, is this is not the right year to be unlucky because the conference is so close competitively. Yeah, and you don't know what we don't know yet what it's going to look like next year as far as our schedule goes because normally it would it would shift back the other way and be one of the odd years normally the good year schedule wise for right. Baylor and but with having been next year is going to be a fourteen team league and we're still going to have nine conference games so that, that was another piece of news kind of outside of on the field football that the, there's a report by Ross Dellinger from SI.com that the big 12 had decided that they're going to do no divisions for two, at least for the two years that Texas and Oklahoma are still in. And they're all, they're making their schedules based on Texas and Oklahoma being here through 2024. Yes. And the other caveat to that is everybody will play everybody in that two year span. Yes. So you have like I think they said there's going to be you have one protected rival and I think it was like Baylor TCU for example or um, I want to say it was it was Kansas Kansas State Baylor TCU Texas Tech Houston yeah I think I it was think Texas so. Tech Houston um, Cincinnati West Virginia um, it was Iowa State BYU that was the kind of the random one where they that was the only one where they were like super far apart. Yeah. Um, who was it? Who was UCF's? I'm trying to think. Because it was Oklahoma State, Oklahoma, us, TCU. Was it UCF Houston? It was Texas Tech somebody else? Yeah, who am I forgetting about? Oklahoma State. Who is Oklahoma State's? Oklahoma. I thought it was. Oh, Texas, thought it was Texas, yeah, it was. State. It was UCF in Houston because Texas Tech got Texas. Texas Tech. Okay. Yeah, it was Texas Tech, Texas. Us and TCU, UCF and Houston, okay, um, Iowa State and BYU, Kansas and Kansas State, and Oklahoma, Oklahoma State. That's what it was. So, so we really don't know what the schedule is going to look like. I mean, we know it'll be similar. You'll have, I would think, if since you're still doing the nine conference games, it'll it should, you know, trend towards being one of the, a regular odd season year to where. We'll get the those home games, the more home games, or, or more of an even split of home games, as opposed to this year how it is. Yeah, but we've had four. You don't know who since, you're going to get. You're not going to play since, everybody. You're going to play since nine. What? Twenty twelve. It's been kind of hell because it's like, like you mentioned, it's our even years. It's at Lubbock, 
at Austin, at Norman, at Morgantown, at Iowa State, and then flip that around in the odd years, your road games are Manhattan, Lawrence, uh, yeah. Fort, uh, Fort Worth, you know, which is we don't have a whole lot of luck in Fort Worth. But yeah, the odd years are always our better years to strike and always have been. So, yeah. And which which this year down the stretch, it may be beneficial to have Kansas State, Kansas and TCU at home. Correct. You know, because those are like three of the top teams this year right now. Um, and we had Oklahoma State at home. So you're having like pretty much everyone but Texas. It's in the top five of the Big 12 right now. We get at home just about yeah. this year. This is how it, just how it shook out. Normally, though, you're right. It's like Kansas and Kansas State are probably closer to the, the bottom of the pack when they're coming here and it doesn't TCU doesn't matter really because uh yeah we either lose big or win close or win close so but it'll be interesting to see like what teams in that nine I mean we know TCU is one of them but the other eight teams in the rotation of 14 what your what our first eight is going to be you know because we may not travel to Norman, or they may yeah. not come here, or we don't have to play Texas or Oklahoma, or you don't know how it's going to work out or shake out. So it'll be interesting to see. I think they said December, like normal. They said normally we release in December is when we should find out what the 2023 schedule will look like in football. Mm-hmm. Well, we can feel better about losing by three on the road because A, losing by three was the was the trend this past week in the Big 12 as two other teams lost by three. There was only three other games. Wasn't there another 43-40 score? Yeah, there was two. Yeah, there was another 43-40, and every single road team lost this week. Well, that's that's so, the Big 12 in, in 2022, though. I mean, yeah. it's going to be – it's it's one of those. Everyone – because another thing is, like, all of them, the, the lines, they're all about a score. Right. It's it's a tight league. You had, like you mentioned, there was another 43-40. The, the biggest matchup in the Big 12 of the last week was TCU, Oklahoma State. TCU coming out on top of that one. After being down, what, 24-13 at halftime? Um, yeah. Wins 43-40. to uh, It was kind of like the Baylor, West Virginia, half. where, you know, Baylor was up 17-7. to Yeah. Early. And you thought, or I thought, oh, this is, we're going to, you know what I thought was going to happen is going to happen. You know Baylor's going to jump out in front, but no, that didn't happen. Baylor's defense had other ideas. Yep. Um, Kansas on the road in a high-scoring game, a tough-fought game, loses yeah. in Norman to Oklahoma. Oklahoma saving their season really from complete and utter disaster by winning that one. Um, and then Iowa State in what was honestly an extremely good football uh, football game down in Austin. Um, and they were a Hunter Decker's fumble away from at least taking that thing into overtime, if not winning it. Um, Xavier Hutchinson, 10 receptions, 154 yards, and on the same drive, saved saved the game twice for them by catching a fourth down and a third down ball. But with about a minute left, just why he drops uh, an easy touchdown and... To be, you know, I was, I had some, I have some Iowa State friends, as everybody that listened knows. And I kind of had to walk them off the ledge and explain, like, look, he's still a great receiver. He still saved that drive two times. Plus, 
it wasn't an egregious drop. He caught the ball and he just he landed on the ball and he couldn't complete. It was a tough catch to make. I think watching that, though, if he stays on his feet, just keeps on running his route, he could probably catch it and walk into the end zone. Probably could have. I don't know why he leaves his feet and jumps to catch that ball because he didn't have to. I think he just read it wrong. And man, they would they. They were so close to winning that game in Austin uh, and making Texas feel a yeah. lot worse about how their season is. Um, but oh, and there's should, another. Like, that's, they that's got, got, got hosed by another call. Also, they Iowa did. State, <laughs> or a, it's a no call. It's it was a no call that probably could have been called targeting. Yeah, it could have been targeting, and there was the confusion of they called they called Hunter Deckers down on the field and yeah. then con, and then confirmed it saying that it was texas's ball so it was like is it overturned that's, or that's my thing watching it was more or less the targeting when i was watching it live and i thought well he's down he still has possession in my and it looked like to me he still had possession when his knee go down then the ball pops out but it yeah, looked it to was, me that he was down it was some it was, it was close some, it was close some for sure. home texas in austin officiating which we've all experienced so yeah but yeah it was it was again just another Awesome, awesome week. The, I mean, the the Oklahoma Kansas game was fifty two forty two. It felt closer than that at times. Um, you know, Kansas made a nice little comeback at the end. So it was, it it was a really really good week of of Big Twelve football. Um, and it's what we've seen all season, right? Is is close games, fun games, um, surprising teams winning, surprising teams losing. Uh, I think. I think there's zero shot anybody actually makes the playoff out of this group. TCU six and zero. I don't think they're going to win six more games. Yeah. Uh, and I just, I don't know if and unless TCU or Oklahoma State can can survive with only one loss, and we get Alabama with another loss, um, I don't I don't know if um, if the Big Twelve is going to have a shot at the playoff this year, uh, but. If that Tennessee said, wins out and only loses to like Georgia, like three SEC teams are going to. If get Tennessee it. loses to Georgia, though, they won't go to the SEC championship game. Yeah, they'll still be eleven and one. Yeah, but the I would I think the playoff would be reticent to put in a team that did not even participate in its conference title game. That, that was that would surprise me. They've done it before. Alabama um, made it in once. When has Alabama not played in the conference title game? Well, they made, uh, in 2019, they didn't play in the conference title game. Oh, really? Georgia and LSU. Yeah. Now, they didn't make it in the playoff, but. Oh, gotcha. They weren't in the Oh, that's right. The, yeah, the years when LSU was good. I forgot. I forgot because LSU just hasn't they're been. The, yeah, because they're in the same division. <laughs> yeah. I forget about LSU sometimes. Yeah. Well, I mean, you, there is a scenario where Alabama. Three SEC teams can get in. I've seen it. I know. So. And I am, you have more faith in the committee than I do to not do that. Yeah. I mean, I could see it if, if Tennessee beats Georgia, Georgia continues to run rough shot through everybody. Alabama doesn't lose another game. And you've got yeah, it has you get Alabama winning the SEC over Tennessee, yeah. and you have three one loss SEC teams at the end of the year. I think. I, if any of the East teams, whoever it is, you know, if they make it out undefeated, whoever the representative in the conference is, and the other one only has that loss as their only loss, and then Alabama wins and they only have one loss. 
Yeah, it's going to take Alabama having Alabama for it to happen. Alabama oh, has yeah. to win out. Yeah, absolutely. And they have to win the championship. Yeah, and then and then when the win out regular season, win the conference championship game. Um, but yeah, it it for sure is a long shot, but it's not out of the realm of possibility. It's yeah, it's not out of the realm of possibility. You are correct. But to back to your like the Big Twelve aspect of it, short of TCU now going you know undefeated, I don't think there's a shot. Even if they only have one loss, I don't think there's a shot. You know what would be crazy, and I could also see happening, is where we have a scenario where we have four teams in the playoff that are – it's two teams from the same division in the SEC and two teams from the same division in the in the Big Ten, where yeah. if you get Ohio State-Michigan undefeated when they get to the game at the end of the year, and let's say – Let's say Ohio State wins, goes on to win the the Big Ten, and Michigan's sitting there with just that one loss. Yeah. And then you've got Tennessee or you know the Tennessee-Georgia scenario where whoever wins that one goes to the SEC championship game, beats Alabama. And then what you end up having is like Tennessee-Georgia, Ohio State-Michigan, and that's your four playoff teams. Yeah, it's Clemson's kind of the only like wrench in that. Clemson could be a wrench, and even though they lost to what USC lost to Utah, I could see USC getting some love. Yeah, I could. Too. And again, like if if Oklahoma State or TCU ends up with one loss at the end of the year at, with a conference title in their hands, I could see that it would be tougher to put put them in. But if you have a two loss Big Twelve champion like we did last year, there's no shot. So. Um, yeah. but we're only ha- we're halfway through the year. We've got a whole like it's easy to sit there and think of these scenarios right now. Stuff's gonna get crazier. We're gonna see injuries. There's gonna be more upsets. There's gonna be more craziness. Um, so there's not much fun in trying to figure it out right now. What we can try to figure out right now, Matt, is we get a whole nother week of Big 12 football. Yes. And it's it's an interesting week. I think in big in Big Twelve football. Um, let's just go ahead and start at. Oddly enough, it's one of those we only have one eleven a.m. game, and that's our game, which we'll talk about at the end. So the first real, the first game is at two p.m. West Virginia travels to Lubbock to take on Texas Tech um, on FS1. Texas Tech is a six and a half point favorite. The both these teams are three and three. Three and three, one and two in the Big 12 for both of them. They're in the exact yeah. same spot that Baylor is sitting. Yep. Um, yeah, like you said, it's two o'clock. Um, it's six and a half. I'm going to take the Tech win, but the West Virginia cover. I'm going to take uh, the Tech win. Um, and the points, right? So I think Tech's going to win by more than six and a half. Okay. I think this is going to be like a, a field goal game. I just think that West Virginia may have got all their luck uh, last week. I think they figured out how to run the football. I think West Virginia is figuring out how to run the football. Yeah. I mean, they did very well against us. That is for sure. It's going to be a high scoring game. The over under 64 yeah. and a half. And I would absolutely hammer the over on that. Yeah, so I, I would agree with that. I think um, you are going to see a lot of points in this game. Yeah, it's 64 and a half. Um, yeah, yeah, this still, is going to be more than 32 to 32. It's it's um, 
It's in Lubbock. It's a tough place to play. And I just think, yeah, I'm going to stick with Texas by um, more than six and a half. All righty. Right about the same time, just 30 minutes yeah. later, we got the kickoff on Big Boy ABC. We've got, you know, a fun little orange matchup as the University of yeah. Texas Longhorns head to Stillwater, Oklahoma to take on uh, number 11, Oklahoma State. Texas ranked number 20 in the country. Um, Texas five and two, three and one in the Big 12. Their only loss coming to Texas Tech. Um, Oklahoma State, five and one overall, two and one in the Big 12. So Texas has not yet had their bye week. Oklahoma State has. Uh, this is a, a big time ranked matchup. Um, yeah. And Texas road favorite at six and a half points. So a touchdown favorite on the road in Stillwater to an Oklahoma State team that's only lost one game and it was a tight one to a very solid TCU team on the road. Oklahoma State at home, those paddles will be bounding. Matt, do you think Texas can beat Oklahoma State on the road by a touchdown? No. I got Oklahoma State with the win and the cover. I agree with you. I, I have Oklahoma State winning straight up in this one. Yep. And it's just, I think what happened last week to Oklahoma State is going to motivate them at home again. And this is always kind of a good game, a good matchup. And they they have shown they know how to beat Texas in the past, and I think it'll be more of the same. Yeah, I think this conference is so close. It's just it, the, there's parity at this point, I think, in football this year in this conference. Yeah. And home field advantage means a ton. I, I think that's, a, that's an important piece to look at here. And also, Texas hasn't won a true road game in like two years. So This is um, a Quinn Year's first true road game. Correct. He's he's only played uh, the only time he's played away from Austin has been in Dallas at the Cotton Bowl in the Red River. Yeah. Or I mean, he didn't even play in that. So he's never played outside. No, of yeah, he, 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 he only played. That. He played Alabama at home and he played Iowa State at home. So, um, yeah, I think Spencer Sanders is going to be comfortable. No, he played uh, the Red River. Like, yeah, he, he lit it up. Did okay, was he? OK, that was a card. That, that was his first start. Got it. But After yeah, anyway, Alabama, that's that's a half home crowd for him. So, yeah, and it's um, neutral side. It's not it's not a true road game. Correct. So they they haven't won a true road game since I think I want to say twenty twenty. I want to say. Um. So it's it's been a while since Texas has gone on the road and actually won. This is a top. This is the eleven team in the country, and they're that for a reason. They're and good. Stillwater is your first true road game. Go listen to. Daily podcast and Elliot Coffee talk about going to Stillwater. Yeah, and it's not like there's any love lost here. Yeah, <laughs> with with how Oklahoma State especially feels about what Texas and Oklahoma are doing to the league. So, I think uh, I think outside of Bedlam, this would be this will be the most raucous that Oklahoma State will be. They're gonna have those paddles hitting the side of the. Yeah, that stadium. place, man. They're on it's top be of loud and. Especially ABC, like it's a big, you know, on the big ABC at 2.30 p.m. when everyone's, you know, finally settled in to watch football after whatever they did in the morning. Uh, yeah, it's going to be a, an intense crowd for sure. And I think um, that could be a lot for a young quarterback. Yeah, absolutely. What do we got next? Next, uh, the lone night game, 7 p.m. on FS1. Kansas State travels to Fort Worth to take on the undefeated TCU Horned Frogs. Uh, 
And those Horned Frogs are a three and a half point favorite at home over the Wildcats. What do this you think, is the, the first place battle here. Both of these teams, it's the only two undefeated yeah. conference, conference teams. Yeah. Uh, Kansas State's only loss coming to Tulane. Uh, so they're both three and zero in Big Twelve play. Uh, Kansas State coming off of a bye week as well, so an extra week to prepare. But again, on the road, and that's proved to be a big deal this year. Um, though Kansas State did go into Norman and win a football game uh, quite handily against Oklahoma. So I don't know, man. This one's tight. I really have been back and forth when I thought about who's going to win this one. Uh, it's also strange colors this this year or this week in the Big Twelve. We have the, we have the orange battle now. We have the purple battle. Um, yeah. You know, there's there's so much on the line. Like we talked about for TCU, those players. At this is kind of the point where both you start believing you can do it, and you also start feeling the pressure about can you do it because you're six and zero oh now. If you if you can run the table, you you might give yourself a shot. You start sitting there thinking. Hey man, we could do this. Like we could make the playoff. Nobody believed in us. We might be able to pull this off. We're number eight in the country. We can keep rising. If you're Kansas State, you're sitting there going, "How are we 17? We had one fluky game. We've dominated everywhere else that we've played. We're proving ourselves. We've got a great defense. Adrian Martinez is, uh, has had a renaissance with, um, you know, with the offense that they're running at Kansas State. They've got to feel a little bit disrespected. All of that said. I just I don't know if I can pick a road team to win, but I'm going to. And it's because Kansas State's gone on the road and won. Kansas State historically travels well. They're a fundamentally sound team. And I think I think at some point, like TCU's just gonna they're gonna run out of gas a little bit. And so I'm taking Kansas State to take sole possession of first place in the Big 12 after this week, going to four and zero, handing TCU their first loss. Um, what are you thinking on this one, Matt? Yeah, I think TCU's the last couple of weeks have been impressive, but they've also been kind of playing with fire. They they were very close to losing Kansas game. And like we talked about earlier, they were down big early Oklahoma State. And then Oklahoma State decided to quit scoring touchdowns. Um so I agree with everything you said, and I'm gonna I'm I'm on your side of this. I think Kansas State pulls this off. All right, a lot of people at Kansas State dark horse as as the Big Twelve title team this year, so yeah, they're kind of proving themselves. And if they can pull this one out, then then they can really start to believe they're going to be halfway through their conference slate and in the driver's seat, controlling their own destiny. Yep. Um, all right, let's move on to the game that the people really care about: Homecoming Week in Waco, Texas. 11 a.m. ESPN two, the the darling Cinderella surprise story of the year. Kansas Jayhawks head into Waco, Texas uh, to face off against the three and three, one and two in the Big 12 Baylor Bears. Kansas five and two, two and two in the Big 12. Look, Kansas looking to make if they win this game, they're bowl eligible for the first time since like the Warren G. Harding administration. Um it's been forever since they've gone to a bowl game. Baylor, though, favored by 10 points as Jalen Daniels not expected to play in this one. I don't know if he's been officially ruled out, but I don't think Jalen Daniels will be playing. Um, so Kansas will be without their best football player, hands down. Uh, but they've they still played well and they competed with Oklahoma, as we mentioned last week. Um, but again, on the road, Baylor plays, you know, has played well at home with the exception of the Oklahoma State game. 
Um, the big thing here is, you know, Baylor being a 10 point favorite, this is almost a make or break game because if you lose this, you start looking at the rest of the schedule and you're like, is there three wins to be had? If you lose this Kansas game, you know, one, three in the big 12 after that, because being four and three, but two and two in the big 12, you feel way better about three and four and one and three. Um, <laughs> so do you think Baylor on homecoming at home can win this game by 10 points, Matt? So a couple things now they're very, they're playing it very close to the chest of, regarding Jalen Daniels status. Apparently there's been some reports that he what did do limited practice yesterday. And then Dave Veranda went on his uh, coach's show and said that Blake Saban's been, he's been, he's back. He's been in practice all week. So that's good news for Baylor to have uh, Shaven back full speed and not, not going to miss the game due to a concussion protocol or anything like that. Um, the line is very interesting because I think it opened at 10, went down to about seven, and then has gone back up to 10. So that leads me to believe there may be some insiders maybe know that Jalen Daniels is not going to play for sure. I got, I got the sense from Lance Leipold's statement that Jalen Daniels is back working out like he's there with the team at practice. That's, that's a very like loaded term. I get, I get the sense that he's still a a week or two away because I don't think they're going to throw him out there unless he's actually taking the first team reps. Um, I know. I don't get the sense that that's what's happening. Kansas fans on on Twitter are like, Oh, he's back. And I'm like, we, I don't know if that's what was said, but anyway, um, so, yeah, so to answer your question, yes, I do believe uh, Baylor can win by 10 against Kansas. I absolutely do. You want to know what I think? Yes, I do. Matthew D. Workman. This, this, is, the, this is a breakout game. I'm telling you right now. I've been, I've been calling it all year. It's finally going to happen. We saw the offense wake up last week. Yes. That was one of the best offensive performances I have seen from a Baylor football team since the era of he will not be named like legitimately looked good. I mean, Gavin, Gavin Holmes like was 10 yards receiving. Yeah. Gavin Holmes was a freak in that game. Blake Shapin was slinging it. And even when he came out of the game, Kyron drones was slinging it. I absolutely loved how they opened up the offense against West Virginia. I think we're going to see even more of that. And Kansas's defense worse than West Virginia's defense. Okay. They beat West Virginia, but that was because they were able to outscore West Virginia. I want to say they're like 95th defense. We, we are not going to be able to just throw on these guys. We're going to be able to run all over these guys. It's homecoming. We are wearing the sailor bear helmets and there is magic in those helmets. I think Baylor wins this game by three touchdowns. See, I've been having this feeling this week. It has been coming to me. Like, like the, the Holy spirit speaking to me. Saying Baylor's gonna win big, you know. It's everyone's. In the Baylor you, you know what I'm down. doing, Matt? What? I'm pulling out all the stops. So, I mentioned I got people staying with me. One of my best friends in the entire world, basically my brother. Okay, my son. His middle name is this guy's name. His name's Dave. My son's middle name is David. After this person, I have taken him to two Baylor games in my entire life. He came, he came, uh, so he's, he's from Ohio. He's an Ohio state guy. He went to Ohio state. 
So um, my dad's also from Ohio. I grew up rooting as Ohio State, one of my side teams. I know a lot of people hate Ohio State. Let it go. So Dave, Dave's a big time Ohio State fan. Since we've known each other, though, he's fallen in love with Baylor and roots for Baylor because I root for Baylor. I root for Ohio State because he roots for Ohio State as well. Dave is an alumni by choice at Baylor. But like I said, he's attended two Baylor football games in his life. The first one he ever went to was 2014, 61-58 against TCU. The other game that he's been to was the Sugar Bowl last year against Ole Miss. He has been there for two of the biggest wins in Baylor football history. I'm bringing him Saturday. I'm pulling out all the stops. He's my lucky rabbit's foot. Baylor's knocking off Kansas big time this weekend. I mean, you do realize if Baylor does that, that does happen, then he has to go to every Baylor game from here on out. Yeah, we're going to have to start. He lives in Atlanta, but we're going to have to start a GoFundMe to to fly him into Waco for every single game. (laughs) And I'm just going to set aside how insufferable you must have been as a child to be an OU and Ohio State fan. My favorite teams growing up were Oklahoma, Ohio State, USC, and Florida. Those were the teams I was in for. That's that's gross. (laughs) And then I went to college at Baylor. (laughs) So we are in agreement. I think Baylor wins. Baylor wins by 10 or more. Um. On homecoming, Sailor Bear helmets, like you said, it's uh, going to be a magical time on the Brazos. Magic, Matt. Magic is going to be there in Waco. If you're there, Matt and I, you, Matt, you and I are going to both be tailgating. Yes, um, we will be. And I, uh, I'm attending as a fan. I'm not sitting in the press box. As I, I am as well. Where, who are you sitting with? So. I had a ticket with our friend. I had a ticket, Scott Spain Smith, because our other buddy can't make it. Um, but there is a promotion going on today where like, you can get like berm tickets for like 19 bucks. With okay. A, uh, it's like a promo code like HOCO. So I also have a pair of berm tickets. So, because my daughter's coming. My and we have and we have media so. passes waiting for us. And, so. Yeah, so we have multiple avenues to get into the game, and uh, we're going to take advantage of one of them. I am sitting with uh, none other than friend of the podcast, awesome person Peter Pope this week. So awesome! Yes, it's going to be. I'm sure we'll see. Hope we see everyone out there at the tailgate. Um, most of Baylor Twitter knows. I think it knows where to where to find us. If you don't, shoot us a DM and we can tell you where it is. All are welcome to the tailgate. Uh, We're going to have Rudy's breakfast tacos because it's an early game. So we're going to have a a bunch of Rudy's breakfast tacos. I'm sure there will be other food. We will have beer. We will have water. Um, In fact, that's what Matt Matt and I were talking about before we started recording with making sure we had water this week. Um, Because we've made had some some tailgates where that was uh, a little bit lack of cold water. mm, Yes. Um, Yeah, we'll have water. Um, there will be whiskey there to perform the ritual and there will also be TV. So you can sit there and watch the other games. This is all, by the yes. way, this is all put together. The guy that actually pays for the spot pays for the food and, and make sure that it gets set up every year though. You're sitting up this morning. Cause you, you picked up all the stuff from him. Yeah. There's our man height of it is height of idiocy on Twitter. Nick, he's the greatest dude in the world. Um, treats all of us like family. Um, and they treat wants to treat you like family as well. So, if you want to come to the tailgate, shoot us a DM. Happy to have you there. Come say hi. Absolutely. 
it's an early game, but like you said, we'll have uh, burgers, tacos, and I'll be out there early setting up. So anyone's welcome. Everyone's welcome. Come on by and say hi. Absolutely. Yeah, if, and we're right next to Sikkim 365. So yeah. if you go to Sikkim 365 tailgate, literally, if you just turn around, we're right behind them. So. Yes, sir. All right, Matt. Well, I can tell you one thing. It is we are in October now. Um, when we go to September games, it gets kind of hot, right? It's hot in Waco. Mm-hmm. October, I think the high on Saturday is like 86 degrees. That's going to be warm, but it, it's not going to be hot. But you know what is still hot in October? What's hot? D. D. The D is hot. That is correct. The D is hot. So that's a segue right there. House that, of the I should get an Emmy for that one. That's a, that's a segue. Some award. House of the Dragon. It's, it's, it's lit, Matt, as the kids say. It is lit. <laughs> it is very, it's all coming to a head, this upcoming episode. You know, it kind of all, we saw one side of it in this, this past episode where you saw it was the Green Council was the name of the episode where you saw the Hightower faction kind of do what they had already been planning to do, or at least Otto Hightower had been planning to do for a long time, install Aegon as king above Rhaenyra, who is the heir. Is this the first episode where we didn't see Rhaenyra or Damon a single time? Um, I th- there may have been another one where Damon wasn't in it. I think early on, but I'm not sure. But no, I think Rainier has been in every a- episode. One of the actresses has been, you know, whether it's the younger one or right, the Emma character Darcy. of Rainier has been in it. Yeah. Yes, yes, Rainier has been in every episode. I, there may have been one where Damon wasn't early on like you know the first three maybe like maybe episode two or something he yeah two in. or three where he's not there um yeah maybe i think maybe he wasn't in the hunt episode yeah exactly but other than that they've been in every episode so this was and i think what you're probably going to see this upcoming episode which is kind of jumping ahead is you'll see the we'll see the reaction so you'll see there'll be a lot of targaryen a lot of rhaenyra and damon in, in this finale Yes, and it, it's in Thrones fashion. It was a penultimate episode, which meant something was going to happen. Um, and this was this was an, a unique episode for me because, as you mentioned, we, we kind of kick off. We confirm that the king is dead. Um, Alicent is told she gets the kind of the council together. Um, she tells all of her servants not to tell anybody whatsoever. Yeah. <clears throat> And they're what what appeared to be kind of like a lot of the servants were rushed to the dungeons. Uh, I couldn't quite tell what was going on in that scene, but yeah, I think that's anyone who knew was looks like they were put in the black cells. Yes, they're they're kind of rushed down to the dungeon. There, the the council gets together and meets. And as you mentioned, we we find out very quickly when she says she mentions that oh, Aegon's last breath was that he wa- or Viserys's last breath was he wanted Aegon to be king. We all are fully aware he's talking about Rhaenyra's son Aegon. Um, which Alicent believes is her son, Aegon, um, which puts Otto completely into um, usurper mode. And you find out from like Jason Lannister and a couple of the other guys on the Great Council that, as you mentioned, 
they've been planning this for a while. Like they know what's, what's going to happen next. Um, and then it shifts. So like some stuff happens in that Kristen Cole kills a guy. Um, he's just the absolute worst. The, the head of the King's guard resigns and walks out. But my favorite thing about this episode wasn't the ending. It was the fact that we kind of got this, this mystery um, sort of chase. Like political where, thriller. Like we, we got to get to Aegon before the others. Right, gets to it, we quickly discover that Aegon is nowhere to be found. Uh, and we're not sure if it's of his own fruition, if he's just gone out, partied the night before and hasn't returned home yet. Has he been kidnapped? Has he been killed? Nobody knows where Aegon is, not his not his personal Kingsguard. Um, the places where his brother, Aemond, thinks that he would be, he is not there. Um, Kristen Cole can't seem to find him either. And you've got Alicent and her father, Otto, competing against each other because they both want to get to Aegon first to be able well, to influence yeah, him. Because Otto, is like he, he, you know, all but explicitly says like we're gonna kill oh yeah we're gonna kill the whole family we're killing the whole family and he goes to dispatch the kingsguard to do it and harold westling says you know i serve the king um and until there is one this is not the place for me he takes off his white cloak and exits yeah, I don't think that was even him say like he said, you know, until there is one. I think that was just like a full like hell yeah. no. Like, I'm not working. I'm with not you. gonna be I'm not gonna be doing this. Yeah, I'm not gonna be a part of this. The king, the king legally and officially said he has an error. You guys are trying to sit here and tell me that one single person said that he wants to change that. Yeah, and of course, the one single person is the mother of the person that uh, supposedly he wants to change to. Uh, peace. I'm gone. And you got to forget, like, he was also in the early episodes, he was Rhaenyra's sworn protector. Yeah. Until he was promoted. Promoted. But, um, yeah, so. And he it, didn't want to hire Kristen Cole, if you remember. Yeah, he wanted some some of those other people. Absolutely. Yeah. This is that Rhaenyra Man. hired Kristen Cole. So if we just listen to that dude the whole time, everything would be cool. But going back to the hunt for Aegon. Um, and then they end up in like Kitty Fight Club, where I guess it's alluded to that some of these kids, maybe like Aegon's like bastard children. Yeah, they're been, his bastard children. That they're like filing their teeth and sharpening their fingernails to fight. Yeah, uh, it's horrible. yeah, it's a it's they're fighting pits where they have twelve year ten to twelve year olds that are just fighting against each other while people bet on them. It's just a Aegon's just a horrible person. I mean, the previous episode. Um, you find out like he he raped a, I guess like his like wife, a handmaid like, handmaid for his wife or something of that nat- nature, and then yeah, Allison know, gives her the infamous tea, yes, and some money, and it's just horrible. So I mean, I don't understand why they would think Aegon who should be the king. Because he's not proven. I mean, Amon says himself, like he's the one that studies the history. He's the one that, that trains the sword. He's, I mean, and he's correct. He he's rides the, the largest dragon king. in the world. He should be king. He's he's absolutely correct. If you're gonna usurp the throne, he's the one that should do it. Not well, there's Aegon. two things here for that. Number one is Amon or Aegon's the firstborn. Number two is Alicent believes that Aegon was uh, Viserys wanted Aegon to be king. Um, True. But Otto, Otto, go is, ahead and usurp Rhaenyra. It doesn't matter who the firstborn is. Rhaenyra is the firstborn of Viserys' kids. 
but you need that i think from a political standpoint if you're trying to convince an entire realm that this is the rightful king like if you're if you're going to usurp somebody that was named the heir you might as well do it with the firstborn (laughs) yeah and amon is wrong he's not next in line i mean Aegon has children so his son would be next in line and let's let's be honest here um it's not like the realm has had a king for a few years anyway. So I don't think I don't think Otto particularly cares what person they put on the throne. I think I think it's of his belief. As long as it's one of my grandkids, I will influence them. And I'm the one yeah. that's truly ruling the realm. He's, much he's much to the similar to what Tywin Lannister yeah. did. He's peddled this like the it'll tear the realm apart if Rhaenyra sits the throne because the thinking would be like they won't accept a, a a woman to be queen and ruler over the seven kingdoms. However, his actions are directly going to lead to war and tear the realm apart. So it, it's yeah. a ridiculous argument that he's making. Yes, it's it's ridiculous. And it, you know, you mentioned Aemon. It's the first time that we've really seen his true ambition that he wants to be king, and it's they're really doing everything they can to put the mirror up between him and Damon. Yeah, and I think it's the same way. Like people are going to be like, you know, like even myself. Like, you know, I kind of like his character. I kind of like Aemon. You know, he makes good points. He he. However, I know he's going to do horrible things. Oh, they are, everyone is going to do horrible things in the episodes to come. Not just Sunday night, but next, whatever the next season comes out. Let me just say this without putting any spoilers out there. If if you have not read Fire and Blood or you haven't read the Cliffs Notes or anything, like if you haven't looked forward, just let yourself get pre-excited for what's going to go down. Just just let yourself get pre-excited because this season to me, like I thought this was one of the better seasons of Game of Thrones that we've seen. Like I really, yeah. really enjoyed the show. It was it was almost all like political scheming and stuff. I loved, I eat it up. And yeah, this is just the, this is the, this is the appetizer. Like this isn't even the appetizer. This is the hors d'oeuvre of, of what we're going to see based off of how this story yes. goes. Cause there are, I'm sure there's a faction of, um, cause I'm like you, I like the like people in rooms having conversations part of game of Thrones, which is just so um, compelling. And that was kind of my favorite part of game of Thrones. And you essentially, we got a whole season of that. Right. Yeah. And, but there are no faction of game of Thrones fans who like, Battles and dragons. And, and you're going to get battles. You're going to get battles and dragons. <laughs> There's a reason it's called fire and blood. Um, so, you know, back to this particular episode, we, we've got this kind of like national treasure style hunt for Aegon. Eventually yeah. they find him. He's being held by um, Damon's old, uh, you know, lover, I guess you could say um, that. Uh, her name, her nickname is what the White Worm, if I remember correct. Yeah, it's Masaria, I think, but she goes, but her nickname is the White Worm, correct? Yes, she is who Damon claimed to have taken as his wife um, earlier in the series. Uh, took her back to Dragonstone. Um, said she was pregnant when she wasn't pregnant. Yeah, didn't tell her he said any of this stuff as, yeah. as well. Um, but she is, she is kind of the, I would call her the, the, the the predecessor to a little finger type person. Yeah. Um, like a, a mix between Littlefinger and Varys from the original Game of Thrones yeah, series. She runs like these little spies around. She has a spy Flea network yeah. of of people from Flea Bottom and people that are working in the castle. Uh, she knows things that are going on before anybody else does. 
that's how she convinces Otto to trust her is because she's like, oh, by the way, the king's dead. And he's like, holy shit, you know that? Um, yeah. Nobody's supposed to know that. And, you know, she's holding him. Otto pays her to, to get him. Um, and Otto she wants, sends she wants to close men. down the fighting, the child fighting ring. The, so that was like yeah. her stipulation. Yeah, correct. She's like, look, I'll, I'll, I'll take your money. I'll, I'll do all this, but you have to get rid of the child fighting. We don't like that here. Um, and Otto says, I will take it into consideration, which I'm assuming is not going to happen. Um, um, and what we see is Otto's men, uh, the King's guard that, that work directly for Aegon that work for, uh, uh, Otto essentially, they find him first, but they are intercepted by Sarah Kristen Cole and his brother, Amond. Wait, I want to uh, stop see- real quick. I want to ask you a question. Go ahead. Do you know the names of the two Kingsguard? It's it... Eric. Yes. And I, I, I know Eric, and I don't know his brother's name, though. Arik. Arik. Okay, Eric and Arik. One has an A, one has an E, but it's basically it's Eric and Arik. Got it. And which is wild. But yes, Eric and Arik go, and they seem to have a f- disagreement. They do. One of them has no desire to like actually like give a crap about this kid. Like, the he hates, like, he's Aegon's a piece of shit. I don't. He this, yeah. he's not going to be a good king. I mean, he's like basically saying that, which is treason, basically, if he's going to be king. But yeah, and aim it, the, it. Yeah, it's interesting because what we end up having is it's a two v two where you've got aim, you've got Aegon here, and then you've got Aemon and Sir Sir Kristen Cole. You've got Eric and Arik and Eric and Kristen Cole begin fighting like straight up sword fighting in the middle of this, like kind of like where normal people are Eamon yeah. tackles and holds Aegon. And I'm guessing it's Arik. The, the brother is just kind of like, he just stands there. It doesn't I help think, at all. I think Arik was fighting Kristen. Okay. Eric. And Eric isn't, I think that's how it is. It may, it may be reversed, but I think let's just call them both Eric and we'll be right. <laughs> One of them, um, I heard, I listened to another podcast, uh, and they were calling it Green Twin, Black Twin. There you go. <laughs> um, at any rate, so you see one of them refuses to fight. At the same time, you see this moment where Amond, who has just professed to Sir Kristen Cole that he should be the king. Like, Aegon sucks. Here's yeah. all the reasons I should be king. And Kristen Cole's kind of like, I don't disagree with you. Um, but he's holding his brother there. And Aegon begins to tell him, I don't want this. Like, let me go. I will hop on a boat. I will disappear. You will never see me again. This can all be yours. And you can see it in Aemon's eyes that he's like, oh, I'm about to let go. I'm about to let you go. Because this, this he's, he's buying what Aegon is selling here. Yeah, and... He makes some kind of comment about, you know, how he wouldn't, um, he's not good for this or he's not fit for it or something of that nature. Aegon does. And, you know, Aemon says, like, you'll get no argument from me. Yeah. As he takes him away. He's also the bigger, stronger, trained brother. And he's done everything he's supposed to. He lives up to his like duty, as he like he said earlier when he was a child. There is some theories on on the interwebs that 
Amond. Now, this is theories. These aren't spoilers. This is just people making conjecture and speculation that he could be possibly the father of Aegon's children <laughs> with his other with his sister. Yeah, yeah. Know. That's the weirdest part of that whole thing is that Aegon is just straight up married to his like first, like his just sister, like not half, not cousin. Oh, yeah, they just sh- straight yeah. up his sister. Yeah. Um. I want to circle back. There's something that happens. You talked about Kristen Cole is just such a horrible like person. He is the worst. I he he's not quite up there with Joffrey and um oh god, how am I forgetting his name now? Um Ramsey Battle of Bolton. the Bastards. Ramsey, yeah. yeah, Ramsey Bolton. He's not up there with Ramsey or Joffrey yet, but he's he's damn close. And he makes this comment. I guess Amon says something about the uh, prostitutes, I guess, the little like um, brothel worker. Mm-hmm. And he says, all women are, you know, pictures of the mother and they're to be respected. And I was like, dude, you are the worst. God. I just, <laughs> because just like an episode ago, you called Rhaenyra the C word. I hate him. I sucks. hate him. He sucks so, so bad. <laughs> and there's no consequences for anything that he does. I don't like he's, he's that we know he's murdered two people without consequences. Yeah. None. Not even a scolding. Yeah. And my thing is like the people he murdered were, were not trying people. to do anything. They were just. You know, the, not only that, but it's not like he murdered a commoner. Like he murdered yeah. somebody on the high council and he murdered a knight that was like yeah. directly tied to Corliss Valerian, one of the most powerful houses in the realm. I mean, at least Aemon, the guy that he murdered, like committed treason. Yeah. Before yeah, Damon killed head. a guy that was the king was cool with being killed. So and criminals when he was head of the king's uh, the city watch. He but, did kill his wife in cold blood, but. I guess we'll let that allegedly. Say. Allegedly. To be fair, the horse is the one who killed her. Yeah. He kind of just euthanized her, basically. Yeah. He 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 ended her pain. Yes. We're horrible people. <laughs> um, what did you think about the foot fetish scene? <laughs> because we had that in this episode. That... If you're listening with your children, sorry. Yeah. Um <laughs> so it was uh I think came out of nowhere. But if you rewatch that scene, the camera does kind of focus on his club foot a lot. So it focuses on his feet to kind of let you know, like, hey, he has a foot problem. Um, so I'm of two minds of it. On one hand, it's like, I think it's kind of weird to give someone who has like a disability, that, a foot disability, a foot fetish. But then I understand why this character may develop that because of his disability. I mean, like fixate on him. Feet are gross to me. And so like, yeah, I am, not- I am in, like, if, if I'm, if I'm sitting on the couch and my wife is laying on the couch and like her feet are near me, like I have to put something between listen. her. I, I am an anti-foot person. Listen, we, this, this podcast, we are not here to kink shame anybody. Yeah. There's no kink shaming, but whatever I just question why you, it you to be put yes. Well, I think it was just to understand the dynamic of their relationship. Like, what is he getting out of this? And then you see he, she does this basically 
and is kind of shamed to do this. Um, to she get gets the information she's looking for. She gets information. Also, he does things for because as we see later on, the Masar, the White Worms, like um, yeah, house is burning, and he, he has a he has a foot fetish, and he like and he has a fire fetish. So he's an arsonist, and he has a foot fetish. Yes, because yeah, this is the second second time he is he has used fire as a way to kill someone, or attempted. We don't we did not see the White Worm die as we saw both his father yeah. and brother dead. The, so yeah, but her. Like base of operations, our castle, whatever she had, her, her, um, where she abides definitely was burned down. Yeah. Now, I do think it, I do think it's important that they did not show like there was no scene of her like trying no. to escape, like yeah. we saw with his brother. I'd, um, she probably so, knew this was coming. So, I mean, yeah. just knowing like her network of spies, I don't think that she is the last you've seen of her. She is probably also smart enough to know that now that I have made a deal in the castle, you know, and the Red Keep knows who I am going back home where they expect me to be might not be the safest place for me. Yeah. So I, I expect her to be smarter than that. But yeah, so we get this. The, there's a foot fetish scene. At any rate, Alicent gets a hold of Aegon. She wins the she wins the rat race and she has her son. She explains to him under no circumstances. As the king, should you murder Rhaenyra and Damon and their family? Which good on Alicent. This is kind of the best of Alicent that we've seen. Um, yeah, she does not like Rhaenyra. She does not want Rhaenyra to rule. She believes her son has the blessing of Viserys. Like she truly does believe that. That, but that, I that think is what she Viserys likes meant. Rhaenyra, and she has an affinity for her from her childhood. I think that previous episode kind of redeveloped that. Like she does still have fond feelings for her she thinks maybe her morals are in question for sure correct she doesn't she doesn't i wouldn't say she likes her i think there is a level of respect there that they both like as women have gone through some bullshit but also their shared childhood experiences together yes you know they and rhaenyra kind of buried the hatchet if we're being honest like she came out she didn't have to and she complimented alicent and talked about how great of a mother and how great of a wife she was it was a very cool scene um, that was ruined, ruined by Amund. But um, what, you know, she doesn't want no matter what she thinks, like even if she even if her opinion is still bad of Rhaenyra, you can tell that she's like, it's not worthy of dying over. Like, we're not going to kill our family over over this. And right. and I think that's 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 pretty cool of her. But she also goes to her her dad, Otto Hightower, and basically says, I win. Um, you suck. I I realize now that I was always just a chess piece. Otto doesn't deny that and basically says, well, I made you queen. Like, what else would you have wanted? And she has a great response of, I didn't have the choice. Like, yeah, you can say you made me queen. You can yeah. say all these things that you gave <clears throat> me the world, but I didn't get to choose whether that's what I wanted or not. Yeah, I think there's definitely a, a split in House Green. We're like Otto and Allison's are gonna, they're not going in the same direction. They may yeah. both want it Aegon as king. However, their their methods and their and what they want after that happens. Yes. yes. Their different. goals are different. For sure. And so I'm interested to see how that plays out moving forward. He also wants to rush this. She's like, I want the like it, it seems like Otto was ready to kind of like 
sit down, figure out what the best course of action is in play. And Allison says, nah, that ain't what we're doing. We're anointing him king tomorrow. She's not playing games here. No, she's not. And that brings us to the actual the coronation scene itself, where you see he goes through all like the they kind of corral and enforce and, and drive everyone to the dragon pit. And they have like a it's like all of King's Landing impromptu uh ceremony that no one knew was happening, and they kind of are forced to go there by the city watch and the King's Guard. And you see them in the Targaryen army. That's the other thing True. I noticed about this because there was there was there was Kingsguard involved, there was there was City Watch involved, but there were a ton of soldiers that were just dressed in black that had the Targaryen sigil. So this is this is the House Targaryen army that is also like corralling these people. It is it is a so show of force, I think, yeah. on the part of the High Towers. Yeah, and then he makes the announcements that the king is dead without a microphone. I will say. Yeah, I'm sure the acoustics were great. Um, but yeah, that's what, you know, because at first when he says like Aegon, he named Aegon King or he makes the announcement, people were kind of like, okay. But then it also is like, maybe they just didn't hear him because he has no amplification other than him yelling. Yeah, that's kind of so, what I, and I also got the vibe that this is, I mean, these are the people from like Flea Bottom and just like, these are yeah, there's papers. no like, no nobility there other than yeah they're like we don't care like you don't affect our day-to-day life like (laughs) we don't care who's king it doesn't matter yeah and then caught up in all this is rainice who is rainice who was kind of she was kind of locked in her room because she was still in king landing from the previous episode um from that whole driftmark coral and then so she was she gets freed by we're gonna say eric who is gonna he's he's leaving he's out he's not he knows this is not right and he's not gonna be part of it so he lets her go they kind of get separated in the whole the melee of getting everyone into the dragon pit and and he's just trying to get her to the blackwater yeah he's he's just just saying like i'm gonna get you down to the blackwater we're gonna find you a boat you're gonna go home and she's like i am not leaving my dragon yeah and she says like if i can get to maylee's and get the dragon pit i can get maylee's which is her dragon um so she kind of sees an opening to go down and uh make an escape how did did she make her escape matt well she burst through the floor or the ground of this main area and kills like thousands of people. <laughs> yeah, she uh to 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 pardon my language, this you know, this is an adult podcast, but we don't necessarily curse much. But I think it's it's right to say that she she fucks shit up. <laughs> yeah. And it's interesting because I think it's been established like Helena, who's the the daughter and Aegon's wife and sister, is a dreamer, as they would call in the books, or has like premonitions. Yeah, she's a uh, she has sight, which is what yeah. Viserys in the the hunting in the hunt episode says. I always wish I had the sight. Yeah, because uh, you know Aegon the Conqueror was rumored to have the sight, which is where the the prophecy of the Song of Ice and Fire comes from. The prophecy of the prince who was promised uh, and that all comes from Aegon's ability to kind of see the future, and we've seen that in this series where yeah. the wife of Aegon slash sister of Aegon 
uh, she talks about only having and one they don't eye. Don't call and attention then, to it, but they you have to listen to what she says, and then it's kind yes. of it'll it'll she kind of tells you what's going to happen like the next episode. Yeah, and she or says later at the very on beginning the of this episode, episode, she said the beast beneath the boards. There's a beast beneath the boards, and then Maylis comes busting out, and like I said, kills thousands of people, and goes right up to the whole like royal family of the court, and is looks just badass. Decked out in her armor on top of her dragon. And Maylis just like screams in their faces and she uh, pieces out. So at this time, there is uh, the, uh, the people that are not immediately like fallen into the pit that is created by Maylis breaking out of the ground. Because you've got all these people standing here. Maylis comes out from underneath them. Um, opening up the bottom, all these people fall in. A lot of people are crushed by her tail and by Melisa's feet as the dragon is climbing out. Um, there, there's these huge doors that Targaryen soldiers are trying to close as the horde of people are trying to rush out of the room. And Otto is yelling at them to open the doors yeah. while they're trying to close them. Um, I didn't understand why they were trying to close the doors. I don't either. Like, I, di- I didn't understand that part at all. I mean, are you trying to trap the dragon inside? In with the, the royal pit? family? Like, <laughs> because just to burn everyone there and kill everyone and then just. Yeah, bust like, out? I didn't. I don't understand what, what the, the protocol point? was here. Um, or, yeah, like, because even if you think that it's like a rogue dragon that has escaped, like, you, that's the king in there. <laughs> like, you, I don't understand, but. I was thinking, you know, part of me was like, why didn't Rainice just kill them all right there? Because you know, she could have she could have ended this whole thing. She's got a dragon, she's standing there, nobody knows what to do. And she could have said Dracaris one word, and all of the high towers, all of the people that could usurp um Rhaenyra uh, are dead in an instant. And Rainice could then fly back to Driftmark and live out her life however she sees fit. Um but she doesn't. She turns around the door. The, as Otto's yelling, open the doors. I'm guessing because he wants all the people to be able to. I don't know why Otto wanted them. Like, I don't know. I'm confused about the doors. But I think part of it was like, she was like, well, if they close these doors on me, I can't escape. So I don't have time for this. And she turns around, flies out and leaves. Leaves them all alive. Yeah. I've, I've seen a lot of debate online. It's like, why didn't she just end it? She, she does have a right respect then. for for Allison's that they do establish. Yeah. And I think it's. There's been people who say well, maybe it's because she she saw Allison kind of as a mother and she's a mother who has lost her children. Um, and she, you know because Allison kind of puts herself in front of Aegon. I also don't believe she's made a choice yet because True. because basically Allison gave her an ultimatum like uh, you know hey you you bend the knee to us and forsake Rhaenyra, say Aegon's king and I will give you Driftmark. You know, it, it won't go to Rhaenyra's kids or it won't go to Damon's kids. You know, it'll go to you. Um, yeah. You know, and you can do with it, do with it what you see fit. Your husband, you didn't care about the throne. Your husband's the one that cared about the throne. And all of this, this seeking historical glory has left him either dead or gravely injured. You don't know yet. Um, it's killed both of your children. It, your life is in shambles because people are chasing the throne. Just give it to my son and you can be done with the whole thing. And she's like, okay. And you can tell she's thinking about it. And I think my, my take on it when I really thought about it was 
Rhaenys doesn't know what she wants to do yet. And at in that moment, all she really cared about was escaping. She didn't care about killing people. She didn't care about all that. She's not here to kill Aegon or kill Alicent or kill Otto. She just wanted to take her dragon and go home so that she can figure out how her family is going to be a part of this because she knows what's coming. Yes, so um, it's going to get interesting. Um, you know, I kind of know what's going on, you know, just based on the books, kind of like know the beats. Like, they've done things differently, so things could be changed. Just because you've read the book doesn't, or read the bullet points or the Cliff Notes version doesn't necessarily mean they're going to do the exact same thing because they've already changed some things. They've kept the, the foundation, book. though. Yes. So you kind of, like I said, you kind of know like the beats that are you know what hit. the you know what the major plot points that are, are going to hit are. Like you know who wins certain things, who loses certain things, who survives certain things, who dies in certain things. Um, like I don't think much of that will change because it's still the the Targaryen line is going to have to stay the same as it was, and um, you know. We we know who's who who is which Targaryen is the grandparent of certain Targaryens in the future, and which great which person isn't the grandparent of certain Targaryens in the future. So, yes, yes. So if you that don't want to be spoiled, don't go look at the genealogy of the Targaryens. Yep, it is. Because uh, yeah, it's a spoiler. Or watch Game of Thrones because they tell you there as well. <laughs> That's true. They do tell you. Yeah, don't go back and watch Game of Thrones. To talk about that. So. Uh, there's clips where they tell you exactly what happens to Renera. But anyway, I really liked, I thought it was a great episode. I was kind of drawn in just like you talked about the whole like political thriller, um, of it all. And so I'm super excited for the finale. Yeah, me too. And I'm sad that it's going to be a while. So we get this show again. Yeah. Cause I think it's going to be like 2024. It's like, the speculation mm-hmm. before they have a season two yep all right anything else you you said you're you're not quite caught up with andor you're still watching or i'm um, two episodes behind on andor i'm not in a rush on that one because we decided to do we're going to do our blowout episode on it and we did get peter said that he will join so we're going to have peter yeah. pope for an andor episode after that show is done so we have um, so I'm two episodes behind there and i am an episode behind on rings of power so the this I will say this Andor is still good. Like not just like it's just a good show. Like I was like just completely captivated in this with the, just the acting and dialogue and um certain scenes between characters in this last one that was just I was just sitting there thinking this is just such a good show. I mean for, forget it Star Wars and all that. It's just really it's well a, yeah, done. it's a very good show. It's just Tony Girl is just doing such an amazing job with this um series uh and there's no i i don't doubt i think a lot of it is you know to have the time to flesh it out like because you have the 12 episodes it's not just six or eight um you have like these other these extra episodes like we're gonna flesh the character out and storylines and kind of tell a full story so it's been it's been really a pleasure to watch over these i think it's six episodes have released i think six it's it's i've really enjoyed what i've watched so far it's great the way they're doing it is like in like chunks so like every three episodes tells the kind of like a story like you're gonna get 
three parts of a story then. And so we've got like the first three released, which was really just him leaving, you know, and or leaving. Then you have the heist, which is the second three. Now we've kind of moved on in the latest one to the, the next three, which is going to tell a separate story of, of Andor. Yeah. Man, I dig it. I love it. Yep. Well, Joe, that's, that's all I got. Anything else? Not much, man. Um, get ready uh, for Kansas this weekend. If you're listening to us on your drive to Waco, thank you. That's what I do. I'll be listening to my own voice on my yes. drive to Waco to kill time. I listen to this. Um, I listen to Between Two Bears and I listen to RD, uh, on on the weeks that I have a drive. I wait to listen to all the podcasts until I'm driving because it's a three-hour drive for me. So, Yes, and if you are listening to this on your drive down, stop and by, say hello at the tailgate. We'll be there. Um, but yeah, that's all I got. Joe, where can people find you if they want to interact with you or get more of your content? You can find me on Twitter at the underscore Joe underscore Goodman. Um, you can also find me on our daily bears a lot of the time um, this week. As I said, it's kind of like my week off from our daily bears. Um, I am going to the game as a fan. So I normally do like the instant reaction. Matt is bear is going to handle that for me this week. Um, we will have a watch party. I'm sure Cody Orr and Deontay Epps will host that on playback. So look out for a link that'll come out on that one. Um, but yeah, this weekend, I'm just a fan. So if you want to, if you want to hang out, man, I'll have a beer with you, take pictures with you, do whatever, but um, you can normally find my stuff on our lady on our daily bears. Matt, what about you? Where can the people find you? You can find me on Twitter at Matt underscore workman. You can find the podcast at the bear Den pod on Twitter. Um, I'm kind of toying around with TikTok. Oh, um, and so I've put a couple of like, you have a bear Den TikTok now. Well, I, I have one. It's a, uh, it's called it's named this is called what happens it. when you have a 13 year old daughter yeah so like i'm only have a tiktok because i have a personal tiktok is what i've been using only to kind of track my child who has a tiktok which was a big thing for her to have and all of her friends everyone has tiktok so it's a, a, a battle we had and we had stipulations for her to get it and one of them is I have to approve everything she puts on there. I have to see, she has to prove followers, things like that. But anyway, so one of them, it, it is to monitor her. So, but I thought, well, you know, I'll, I'll mess around with it. So the last couple of weeks I've put like a, here are my picks of the week against the spread type of thing. And, gotcha. you know, all I've really known is uh, people are mean. That's what I've gotten out of it. <laughs> your picks oh. suck. I'm glad I don't listen to your advice. I was like, bro, I just... They take my advice, but whatever. Um, But yeah, so I'm kind of messing around with that, but that's to come later. I'm going to tweak. We got to hash it out. We got to hash it out. Yeah, I was kind of just doing this like a beta test. So, but that's all I got. Excellent. Well, as always, Matt, sick on bears. Sick on bears.
Social Podcast Network.